Chapter Six of Young Robin Hood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine G. Young Robin Hood by George Fenn. Chapter Six. It was all very wonderful to young Robin when he saw Little John or one of the other men let fly an arrow with a twang of the bowstring and a sharp whiz of the wings through the air, to quiver in a mark eighty or hundred yards away, or to piece some flying wild goose or duck passing in a flock high in air. But by degrees that which had seemed so marvellous soon ceased to astonish him, and at last looked quite easy. For Robin was delighted with his bow and arrows as soon as he found that he could send one of the light-winged shaft whistling in a beautiful curve to stick in some big tree. Then he began shooting at smaller trees, and then at saplings when he could hit the small trees, but the saplings were, of course, much more difficult. One day, though, he went back to Little John in triumph, to tell him that he had shot at a young oak about as thick as his wrist. "'But you didn't hit it?' said the big fellow, smiling. "'I just scratched one side of it, though,' cried the boy. "'Did you now?' "'Well done. You keep on trying, and you'll beat me some day.' "'I don't think I shall,' said Robin, shaking his head thoughtfully. "'Oh, but you will if you keep on trying. A lad who tries hard can do nearly anything.' "'Can he?' said Robin. "'To be sure he can. So you try, and when you can hit anything you shoot at, you'll be half a man. And when you've done growing, you'll be one quite.' "'Shall I ever be as big as you?' asked Robin. "'I hope not,' <laughs> said Little John, laughing. "'I'm too big.' "'Are you?' said Robin. "'I should like to be as big as you.' "'No, no, don't,' cried Little John. "'You go on growing till you are a six-footer, and then you stop. "'All that grows after that's a waste of good stuff, and gets in your way. "'Big ones like me are always knocking their heads against something.' "'But how am I to know when I'm six feet high?' said Robin. "'Oh, I'll tell you. I'll keep measuring you, my lad.' "'And how am I to stop growing?' Little John took off his cap and scratched his head, as he wrinkled up his big, good-humoured face. "'Well, I don't quite know,' he said. "'But there is plenty of time yet, and we shall see. Might put a big stone in your hat, or keep you in a very dry place.' or tie your shoulders down to your waist. No, that wouldn't do. Why? said Robin promptly. Because it wouldn't stop your legs growing, and it's boys' legs that grow the most when they're young. I say, though, what's become of all those arrows I made you? Shot them away. And only two left. You mustn't waste arrows like that. Why didn't you look for them after you shot? I did, cried Robin. "'But they will hide themselves so. "'They creep right under the grass and among the weeds "'so that you can't find them again. "'But you'll make me some more, won't you?' "'Well,' said Little John, "'I suppose I must. "'But you will have to be more careful, young un. "'I can't spend all my time making new arrows for you. "'But there, I want you to shoot "'so that the captain will be proud of you, "'and some day you'll have to shoot a deer.' "'I don't think I should like to shoot a deer.' said the boy, shaking his head. "'Why not? They're good to eat.' 
They look so nice and kind with their big soft eyes. Well, a man, then. Oh, no, I shouldn't like to shoot a man. What, not one of the captain's enemies who had come to kill him? I don't think I should mind so much then. Look here, little John, I'd shoot an arrow into his back to prick him and make him run away. And so you shall, my lad, cried little John, and he set to work directly to cut some wood for arrows to refill the boy's quiver, and when those were lost he made some more, for young Robin was always shooting and losing them. But little John said it did not matter, for he was going to be a famous marksman, and the big fellow looked as proud of his pupil as could be. But little John did not stop at teaching young Robin to shoot, for one day the boy found him smoothing and scraping a nice new piece of ash as thick as his little finger, which was not little at all. "'You don't know what this is for,' said the big fellow. "'It looks like a little quarter-staff,' said young Robin, "'like all the men have.' "'Well done. Guess it first time. Now guess who it is for.' "'Me,' said the boy promptly. And so it was, and what was more, little John, in the days which followed, taught him how to handle it so as to give blows and guard himself, till the little fellow became as clever and active as could be, making the men roar with laughter when in a bout he managed to strike so quickly that his staff struck leg or arm before his opponent could guard. "'Why, you're getting quite a forester, Robin,' said the captain, smiling, "'and what with your skill with bow and quarterstaff you'll soon be able to hold your own.' Robin Hood's words were put to the proof in autumn, for one day when the acorns had swollen to such a size that they could no longer sit in their cups, and came rattling down from the sunny side of the great oak trees, young Robin was having a glorious ramble. He had filled his satchel with brown hazelnuts, and had a good feast of blackberries, and strained his fingers. He had had a long talk to a tame fawn which knew him and came when he whistled, and tempted a couple of squirrels down with some very brown nuts, laying them upon the bark of a fallen tree, and then drawing back a few yards, with the result that the bushy-haired little animals crept softly down, nearer and nearer, ending by making a rush, seizing the nuts, and darting back to the security of a high branch of a tree. "'I shouldn't hurt you,' said Robin, as he stood leaning upon his little quarter-staff, watching them nibble away the ends of the nuts, to get at the sweet kernel. If I wanted to, I could unsling my bow, string it, and bring you down with an arrow, but I don't want to. Why can't you both be as tame as my fawn? The squirrels made no answer, but went on nibbling the nuts, and suddenly darted up higher in the tree, while Robin grew so much interested in the movements of the active little creatures, that he heard no sound behind him, nor did he awaken to the fact that he was being stalked by someone creeping, barefooted from tree to tree, to get within springing distance till all at once he felt the whole weight of something aligning on his back, and driving him forward so that he dropped his quarter-staff and came down on hands and knees. "'Got you, have I at last?' cried a familiar voice, as he felt his ribs nipped, his assailant having seated himself on his back. "'Didn't I tell you I'd wait, and you was to bring me back a lot to eat?' Young Robin waited for no more, but in his agony of spirit he gave himself a wrench sidewise, dislodging his rider and made an effort to struggle up again. But his old enemy held fast, and after a sharp struggle Robin stood panting, face to face with a young swineherd, who had him tightly by the doublet with both hands. "'You let go!' cried young Robin fiercely. "'You'll tear my coat!' 
"'I means to tear it right off directly,' said the boy, grinning. "'I want a new one again, and it'll just do. "'Am I going to have a bow and arrows too, and a knife and cap? "'I'll let you see. "'Go in and hiding away all this time when I told you to come back.' "'You let me go!' panted Robin, looking vainly round for help. "'Nay, there aren't no one a night, and I've got you fast. "'Why didn't you come back as I told you?' "'I didn't want to.' said robin angrily you let me go i'll call little john to you call him and i'll knock his ugly eye out cried the boy i don't care for no little johns i've got you now and i'm going to pay you for not coming back before and i know he snarled you're a thief that's what you are i'm not cried robin fiercely and he made a desperate struggle to get away to where his little quarterstaff lay hidden amongst the bracken you let me go but his efforts to get free were vain. "'Yes, I'll let you go, perhaps, when I've done with you and got all I want,' said the boy in a husky, satisfied tone, as he seemed to gloat over his victim. "'No, I won't. You're a thief and a dare-stealer, and I shall just take you to one of the king's keepers.' Young Robin set his teeth and made another struggle, but quite in vain, for he was no match in strength for his adversary. "'What? Hold still! Well, kicker!' "'Quiet, will ya? snarled the boy. "'If you don't leave off, I'll drag you through all the worst brambles and pitch you to my tigs. "'Do you hear?' he shouted. "'Robin paused breathlessly, and stood gazing wildly at his enemy. "'You thought I was giving you up, did ya? "'But I wasn't. "'I've been watching for you ever since you ran away, "'and knowed I should catch you some day. "'Ah! you young thief!' "'He tightened his grip of Robin's shoulders, "'grinned at him like an angry dog, and gave him a fierce shake.' while his victim breathed hard as he pressed his teeth together, and there was a look in his eyes as if he was some newly captured wild creature seeking a way to escape. "'Come along,' snarled the young swineherd. "'I dropped my staff just back there, and as soon as I get it, I'm going to stand over here while you strips off all your things, and if you tries to get away, I'll break your leg, and you can't run then.' Robin drew a breath which sounded like a deep sigh, and ceased his struggling, letting his enemy force him to walk backward among the bracken and nearly fall again and again, till all at once the savage young lout shouted, "'Ah, here it is!' and loosening one hand. He was in the act of stooping to pick up the staff he had dropped in leaping upon his victim, who now made a bound which sent the boy face downward on to his staff, while Robin dashed off to where his own quarter-staff lay among the bracken, a spot she had glanced at again and again. He seized it in an instant, and was about to bound away among the trees, but his enemy had recovered himself, and, staff in hand, came after him at so terrible a rate that Robin only avoided a swishing blow at his legs by dodging round a tree, which received the stroke. The next moment Robin faced round in the open beyond the tree, and stood on guard as he had been taught. "'Ah, would ya?' snarled the young swineherd. "'Take that, then!' Whisk went the staff, and then crack as it was received by Robin across his own, and then, profiting by Little John's lessons, he brought his own over from the left and delivered a sounding blow on his assailant's head. The swineherd uttered a savage yell as he staggered back, but came fiercely on again, striking with all his might, but so wildly that Robin easily avoided the blow, and brought his own staff down, whack, crash, on his enemy's shoulders, producing a couple more yells of pain. From that moment Robin had it all his own way, for he easily guarded himself from the swineherd's fierce strokes, and retorted, with swinging blows on first one arm, then on the other. Then he brought his staff down with a blow beside his enemy's left leg, 
then half behind the right, making him dance and limp as he yelled and sought in vain to beat down his active little adversary, who delivered a shower of cleverly directed blows in response to the wild swoops given with the worst of aim. In the heat and excitement Robin had felt no fear. He was in his mettle and fighting for liberty, to gain which he felt that he must effectually beat his enemy, and thanks to little John's lessons he thrashed him so well that at the end of five minutes the young swineherd received a final stroke across the knuckles which made him shriek, drop his staff, and turn to run down a long straight avenue in the forest, where the ground was open. Robin, in his excitement, began to run after him to continue the beating, but the swineherd went too fast, and on the impulse of the moment the victor stopped short, dropping his own staff and unslinging his bow from where it hung. In less time that it takes to tell the bow was strung and an arrow fitted, drawn to the head, and with a twang it was loosed after the flying lad, now a hundred yards away. But as soon as it was shot Robin repented. It will kill him, he thought, and his heart seemed to stand still. For the boy's teacher had taught well, and here was the proof. Truly, as if a long careful aim had been taken, the arrow sped many times faster than the swineherd ran, and Robin's eyes dilated as he saw his adversary give a sudden spring and fall upon his face, uttering a hideous yell. Robin, full of repentance, started off to his enemy's help, but before he had gone many yards, the swineherd sprang up and began to run faster than ever, while when Robin reached the spot, there lay his arrow, but the lad was gone. Only pricked him a bit said little john when he heard of the adventure serve the young wretch right but the quarter stuff my word big one and had given something to have been there to hear his bones rattle well i didn't teach you for naught but look here if you meet that fellow in the forest again don't you wait for him to begin you go at him at once robin nodded his head but he never saw the swineherd again end of chapter six recording by christine g in oslo norway the 25th of March, 2012.